welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 186, the first SPS live event and overview, coming to you on Thursday, March 12, 2020. I'm in London. It's very exciting. I'm podcasting from London. Now, my original plan when deciding to put more podcast equipment into my single bag than clothes, so I'm wearing only t-shirts this week, nothing that makes me look at all, well, not not anything nicer than a t-shirt and jeans, which is actually normal author attire, right? When I decided to bring all the podcasting equipment, I still had it in my head that even though I found out, I think it was the day before, yeah, it wasn't the morning of, it was the night before, Uh, that I was supposed to leave on the plane, that London Book Fair was canceled. No! Bad coronavirus. Um, Obviously, (laughs) all joking aside, of course, it's very bad. And I'm just um, playing around because you still have to keep on living, right? Even as things are going on around you. So the event was canceled and I brought my podcast equipment either anyway because I thought, surely there's going to be stuff and people and things Um, And there have been. I mean, it's only Tuesday at the time that I'm recording this, and I just had an amazing day yesterday at Mark Dawson's self-publishing show's first live event. And you know, this is a podcast that I've told you about many, many times because it's really excellent. That one and The Creative Pen with Joanna Penn are my two favorite podcasts. I listen to every episode. And even now at the gym, now that I have this schedule where I'm at the gym a lot more, yay, Thanks, Joe. Um, I am uh, even catching up on the episodes that I didn't get to listen to because I was busy working last year and commuting with my husband and therefore didn't really have any time on my own to just listen to podcasts. So these are that good, that good. Listen to these podcasts if you haven't listened to them yet. Um, So here I am in London. Yay. Look at this completely awesome hotel room that I'm in. I tried to find something that was... um, going to be okay for working. So it's got this little teeny tiny desk that like pops out from the wall. It's pretty cool. And um, it's actually way cooler than it seemed online. Um, You know, you're traveling by yourself. You don't know the area. I've only been to this city once and that was like for two days. So, and I was with my husband. So um, there was just a lot of things like, I I don't know anything about this area and I didn't want to get some kind of hotel that I was like, holy crap, does this place rent by the hour? (laughs) I ended up getting this gorgeous place. I honestly don't want to leave. And I'm meeting new friends tonight for dinner. And of course I want to do that, but I also just don't want to leave because um, above my head, there's even a loft. I totally want to just go upstairs and sit on the loft bed and write or brainstorm or... I don't even care. (laughs) I've got a teeny tiny little kitchenette here. I mean, literally, I could just hole up here for the whole rest of the week and be very, very happy. But I am here to meet people, talk to people, interview people. I have got so many great guests coming up on the show. I'm so excited. I hardly can stand it. Um, But today, what I wanted to do, partially because... um, the idea of trying to interview people yesterday when we were in the middle of doing this big event followed by another event was just like definitely not going to happen. And, um, and I just wanted to tell you about it. So 
If you don't know anything about it, you can just go to uh, selfpublishingformula.com, learn more about all the different things that they're doing. They have a podcast, and through the podcast, they decided that they were going to do a live event for all of the people who are uh, listeners, who are members of their uh, classes, and um, just pretty much present a bunch of information that has to do with what we're all doing, which is self-publishing and not just self-publishing, not just making our books into a form that we can put up on the internet and try to get sales, but all of the things that come with being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, um, all the things that we need to learn about marketing and promotion, uh, the things that we didn't really talk too much about businessy things like uh, taxes and that sort of thing, because that's going to be different for every individual. And specifically, um, this particular event was intended by an entirely international audience. Um, of course, I came in from Sweden. There was a ton of uh, UK people here, of course, because this is, you know, their home not too far away. Uh, there was also people from as far away as New Zealand. Uh, I met someone who came in from Seattle thinking, wow, long, long plane rides, um, but it was a great event. So I thought I would tell you a little bit about it. I'm even wearing my uh, event uh, t-shirt, which says uh, Mark Dawson's self-publishing formula on the on the top part of it. And um, yeah, I was just so excited. So here's the other thing. The other reason I wanted to tell you about this is because it gives me another opportunity to tell you that if you are more or less sitting at home by yourself writing all day or an hour a day or an hour a night or whatever, but we, you, by virtue of what it is, writing is a by yourself activity. Even if you're co-writing or collaborating, there's a point at which you're not brainstorming anymore. You're not um, thinking of things together that you will do. Uh, it's pretty much still going to be you and your computer by yourself, um, even if you're co-writing. <laughs> Unless you're literally sitting in front of one computer and both of you talking at the same time and one person typing. Um, I'm sure that there is somebody who does that, but I don't know anyone who does that. If you're watching on YouTube and you're like, man, she just moves around so much, she's distracting. This really, really hard stool I'm sitting on is really distracting. And let me just ask you, like physically, if God designed you so that your um, all of the extra weight that goes to your butt is on the outside of your butt, why can't it be that soft, cushiony part that we sit on instead of the hard part of our bones that connects with the hard part of chairs and makes them so uncomfortable? I don't know, but these are things that perhaps I'll have a character explore. <laughs> anyway, London, awesome. It's had quite a bit of sun considering, you know, that it's known to be a rainy place. It's also had quite a bit of rain. So I've both had um, uh, right down to a t-shirt and gotten some sun on me and maybe even like got a little bit too much sun on my nose on Saturday when I was visiting a friend in New York. Um, but I've also gotten um, soaked almost through to the skin as well. So yay, good to experience a new thing. Um, Okay, so I just want to cut right to it. This was a great event. I'm so excited that I came. Um, and yes, that was one of the point I was trying to make when I got off on a tangent because my, my butt is sore from sitting on this hard seat. Um, we need to have interaction with other people. Yes, we all know this. We need to have interaction with people who um, love us, people that we like and are friends with. Um, but we also need to make sure that part of that group of people includes writers. And not all of us have that opportunity. I talked to a couple of different people who, um, you know, live maybe in a small town or in the country or wherever. 
that don't really feel like they have um, many or any uh, other writers in their circle that they can meet with face to face and have conversations over coffee or whatever. So I have to say that I think of the part of my manic feeling of most of yesterday was just like, oh my gosh, I'm with my people, like people who really understand me and get what I'm thinking and they know what I'm trying to do because they're doing it too. Um, people who understand the problems that you have and um, and don't like give you a blank look when you try to explain anything in any small amount of detail. It's people who are like, yes, totally. I get that problem. And in fact, um, this is what I did to, you know, work around it. Oh my gosh. Feels so good to be with other writers. So if you can find a way, make a plan, um, save up money. If you, if it's something where you have to go away, to find other writers to hang out with for a day or a weekend, save up the money and do it because it'll make you feel like, ha, oh, oh, I just feel better because I'm with people who understand me. Okay, so having to do with all the people that are people that understand what you and I are going through as we try to have careers writing books and um, making a living from it, I just thought I'd kind of start with the top of the day and kind of tell you what it was like. It looks like they're probably going to do it again next year. So um, it did originally before the coronavirus stuff, it did uh, sell out the first two or three times that they released tickets and they kept having to get a bigger venue. So um, if next year the, the whole world is a lot healthier, I would suspect that it will still be a situation where everybody talked it up and said, oh my gosh, it was great. I loved it. I can't wait. And, um, and it'll even with this much larger venue may still be a thing where uh, tickets get sold out uh, rather quickly. So um, head over to the website if you want to learn more about it and keep up with, you know, this kind of information. So this is what happened from the beginning. So first we had a panel on, oh wait a minute, was this on a panel? Nope, this one wasn't a panel. This was Mark Dawson interviewing LJ Ross, whom I've heard a lot about, but um, didn't really know that much about her. She's sold over 4 million books that are all self-published. Wow. <laughs> and uh, some of the things that she said as far as things that she wishes she had done earlier, this is um, why I wrote it down to share it with you. Uh, she would have invested more money in editing at the beginning. So like now she's like, yep, the books are fine. Like I'm happy enough with them, but I would have invested more money and edited them, edited them even better if I had known, you know, how all this was going to take off. Uh, and remember, everything that I'm telling you about, this is secondhand information, me telling you what I, you know, heard from them, which may or may not be, as you know, when you're, when you're not quoting, but talking about what other people said, it may not be 100% accurate according to what they thought they said or, or meant. But anyway, more editing in the beginning. This is always something that I hear from people who have um, gone relatively quickly from first book to uh, fair success. And I would say, yeah, she, she's got fair success at 4 million books sold. Um, so keep in mind that if you are thinking, well, this is edited enough and it's what I can afford right now, just ask yourself, is there, is there anything else? Like if the world were a perfect place and I had all the money in the world, would I do more? 
And if you think the answer might be yes, then consider asking yourself, is there someplace else that I can get money from? You know, by not spending something, canceling my $50 a month uh, HBO subscription, or, you know, is there someplace that you could get a little bit more money if you think that really in a perfect world you would have spent a little bit more money on editing? So give that some thought. The other thing is that she would have started her email list sooner. This is another thing that people talk about all the time. And in fact, it was mentioned several times during the day by different writers. Um, the value of your email list, it actually does have a monetary value, even though um, the math and calculating behind it is too much for a podcast. But the fact is, is that it may well be the only place where you have full control and own the information that's going out to your readers. So for instance, if you sell a hundred books on Amazon, of course that's fabulous, but you don't know who your customers are unless they contact you. You don't have any way to contact them again to let them know that book two came out unless they happen to have hit the follow button on Amazon, in which case Amazon will probably send them an email when you uh, publish the next book. But you have no way of getting in touch with them in, in really any sense. So if you have an email list, now you have control over how often and what kinds of information gets sent to your readers, and you can make sure that they know the things that you want them to know. Not only when your books are out, which they may know if they're following you on Amazon, or um, know when your books are on sale, which they might know if they're following you on BookBub, maybe, <laughs> um, but just all the other kinds of information that you want to be able to tell them. Like maybe you're going to start selling in another store, or maybe you're going to start selling in another country that you weren't in before. These are important things for your readers to know, right? So email lists, very important. The other thing she mentioned, and I mentioned it because there are probably people listening who, who have children, even though I don't, is that uh, LJ said that she has a six-year-old son and when he's home and he's around, that's his time. So she doesn't do writing when he's home and around. She does it when he's at school or sleeping or whatever. Um, so I took that to mean that that's part of how she helps keep some balance in her life, which sounded good and healthy. And um, she also said, though, that because she makes that a priority, there are times when she has to work late at night, and that can be difficult. But it was just a matter of choosing priorities. So if her son's the priority for the time that he's home and she has deadlines or other things that need to be done, then she may well end up uh, losing a little bit of sleep. So you can give some thought to how you want to do your prioritizing. Um, and as I've mentioned in episodes before, it may be something where it's just for a period of time where you're prioritizing one thing over another, or it might be something like LJ was saying, for, for now, when he's young or whatever, you know, however long she decides to do it this way, when her son's home, that's not work time, uh, when, when he's home and awake. <laughs> and then other people did laugh uh, about, um, yeah, my children don't seem to understand, you know, daddy's working, <laughs> he can't play right now. So yeah, I can kind of get that even though I don't have kids. Um, lots of really interesting things about LJ. And in fact, um, she's one of the many people that I looked up her book one on Amazon, which I believe is called Holy Island. I wrote it down in my other notes, but not my notes for the podcast here. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm downloading the Kindle sample for a whole bunch of people's books because I'm like, okay, these books look really good and I haven't heard of this one or whatever. Um, so it's something that you might also want to do. 
So the next speaker was Joanna Penn. Yay! <laughs> I'm a super fan. And um, she presented a fantastic uh, PowerPoint and, um, you know, speech uh, presentation. It was full on. I mean, she gave us dozens of ideas and most of that I've heard from her before. So it wasn't that it was new, but to hear all of it all together in one place, there was a certain amount of, holy cow, I have a lot of work to do, uh, could lead to overwhelm with just like thinking about all the things I haven't done yet as far as, um, all of the many things that you can do, but it was also just very exciting. She says everything in a way that just makes you feel like, okay, this is exciting and I know I can do it even though, holy cow, it's a lot of work, but I just feel like I can totally do this because she sounds so upbeat and positive when she's talking about it. Um, some of the people at the conference uh, did have, you know, some, please don't share this with people who didn't attend. So I won't share you share with you um, all of the details of what she said, except for a couple of things. She mentioned uh, two books uh, from at the very beginning that she's read, The One Thing by Gary Keller, which I can't remember if I've read or I read part of it and meant to buy it, but didn't, I can't remember. But, um, but I've read at least part of that book and I thought it was good. Though I also found it to be challenging and difficult because there is no one thing, just one <laughs> that I want to do. I want to write, I want to podcast, I want to speak slash teach. That's three things. Um, and to me, they all go together. So I'm like, well, these three things are one thing. But the other book she suggested that we read is called Range by David Epstein. Maybe Epstein, but it's E-P-S-T-E-I-N is the way that I wrote it down at least. And she said that that's more uh, a book on how generalists succeed. And she made it sound like that was a really, really interesting book. So um, I suspect that the point that I was supposed to get from that is read both and take what you can from both. But now I definitely want to read range too, because I'm like, oh, that might be a little bit closer to how I feel about my work and my life. Um, she also suggested making a mind map of all the ways that you can think of to create streams of income. So for instance, I just named three of the things that I want to do, the th three main things that I want to do to create income for myself. So writing books, writing and selling books, podcasting, and uh, speaking slash teaching. So within those then, how can I make, um, you know how a mind map is, you have an idea in the middle and then kind of little spokes off of it about all the ideas that are related to that main idea. So for me, I would probably have three of these little clouds with the three things that I just mentioned and then spokes coming off uh, each of them with specific ways that I could uh, earn income from those three main things. Uh, you can also look at it as just, you know, income in the middle <laughs> and then tons of spokes off of it for all the different ways that you can think of to create income. She showed us uh, a mind map that she created, I think she said in 2008, and she said she's going to create another one that's, um, you know, kind of for this next decade. So I thought that was really interesting and it just sounded like, okay, here's a task that would be really useful for me, but also fun, low stress, low key, um, and a good way to sort of um, start not jumping back in, but wading back into all the thinking that I need to do about all the changes, all the updates, all of the things to add in these areas of my life that have been kind of 
let go by virtue of the fact that I moved to yet another country, but this one in a language that I cannot read the how to start a business information. So I was joking around with several people. I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, because I moved to a country where I can't read the, the government website pages and Google Translate does not translate that stuff in a way that you feel uh, safely accurate. <laughs> um, I was afraid that maybe I could get kicked out of the country if I was working on a business and making money but hadn't filled out the appropriate paperwork and, and I didn't really have money to hire someone who would explain it all to me. So, <laughs> um, and you know what, this was the period when I had like that horrible burnout. So it just seemed to me easier to be like, okay, I'm going to, the safest thing I can think of to do right now that I can do um, was to just try to bring my income down to zero. So I wasn't actually earning an income having a business until I could figure out how to do all of the appropriate and legal things here. And I told them, unfortunately, I succeeded. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> now what I need to do is succeed at turning the switch back on. But as I've mentioned many times, to try to figure out a way to do it where it's like a calm, as much as possible, a calm, even, steady approach that does not allow any kind of um, falling back into the burnout sort of situation. So hopefully I will be able to help you to also take calm, steady approaches to all the things that you might start finding on your to-do list as you grow your business. Um, so anyway, mind map, all the kinds of stream, uh, streams of income that work for you. And um, oh my gosh, she shared so many ideas of, on how we can increase our cash flow by managing our assets better that I strongly encourage you to um, go to her website, which is thecreativepen.com. And it's pen with a double N, as she says. <laughs> um and just see, there's so much, there actually probably would be an overwhelming amount of information on her website if you're kind of newer. But um, pick a topic and look and see what she's got on her website and see what sorts of things that you can pick up that seem to you to be good next steps for you. And then choose just one and do one next step. So for instance, uh, on the plane or while I have to check out of the hotel at 1030 in the morning on Thursday, which was no big deal when I was going to be at London Book Fair all day on Thursday. But now from 1030 until like 630 at night, um, I have a whole lot of time to be sitting with my bag somewhere. So maybe I'll go to a library or maybe I can find an awesome bookstore that has tables or something like that. Anyway, and so one of the things that I could do when I'm sitting there with my bags and really don't have an easy way to do a ton of work is um, do this mind mapping. And um, maybe I can like make it fun. I don't, I can't make it colorful because I only have one blue pen. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like look for ways that you can do things that need to be done in a fun way if you can. Uh, or in uh, short bursts, you know, like if there's something that you know you need to at least start thinking about it, but it seems like an overwhelmingly big thing, maybe just set your alarm for 15 minutes and only think about it, write notes on it, read about it, whatever, for 15 minutes, and then just stop and think like, okay, is my brain full? Do I need to think about this first before I move on to the, the next 15 minutes worth? So those are some ideas on how you can Get the information into your head. Start figuring out what you want to do without getting overwhelmed by it all.
So next was something I was super excited about hearing um, hearing these people speak. A panel of authors who earn between fifty and one hundred thousand dollars or pounds or euros per year. So people who aren't written about in the New York Times or you know the London I don't know which paper sorry, <laughs> um, but people who who are not making headlines they're just making good money they're quitting their jobs if they want to they're paying their mortgage and you know uh, just having a good life um, the kind of life that we all want to have whatever kind of job that we have you know like this is enough money to pay my bills get out of debt and just be happy doing my work. I don't know if you can tell if you're watching on YouTube. The sun just came out. Who knows how long it'll last, but <laughs> my face just got brighter. I was like, oh, wait, we have sun. <laughs> so um, the panel of authors here just happened to be um, five women, which is not that surprising to me because I've been part of the romance writers community for so long that uh, most of the writers that I know are women. Um, but I, the thing was pretty amazing was that two of them are children's book authors or they write or produce some sort of, um, what am I trying to say? Oh, since I don't have kids, sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about kids stuff. They, their products are for kids. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, one of them writes more like activity books, I guess, which I'm not 100% sure what that is. I kind of have a guess, but, um, and the other one, you know, children's books. The reason why I say that that's surprising and really interesting is because there's a lot of people who are absolutely convinced that if you're writing for anyone who's not an adult in the adult market who has their own credit card with which to buy things, then there is no way to do it and make any kind of living out of it unless you are traditionally published. So, 40% of this panel was saying, no, not traditionally published, making a good living, have um, been doing it for, it sounded like they've, uh, they've, let's see, the two of them, it sounded like it had been at least a couple of years for each, each of them. And some of the people had been writing for a long time. One of the women who was on the panel, I think it was Patricia McLynn, um, said that uh, on the day that we had the conference yesterday, or maybe she said this month, was the 30th anniversary of her first book coming out, which did, of course, come out with a traditional publisher. But I was like, ah, oh, 30 years, and she's keeping on going. And see, that's a great example of how people um, find out what else new is happening in their industry, make some changes, and keep on going. So that was also very encouraging. Um, what else did I write down for them? I definitely need to get some of them on the show so that they can talk to you. Uh, Patricia said, you are creating your own career. It's a buffet, not a fixed course. And I thought, yeah, more people need to say that. You know, we read a lot of books and blogs and emails with people who, as part of the selling tactics, are like, this is the way. I'm the person to show you the way. Pay me and I will show you the way. And the fact is, is that there's a lot of things in life that aren't just one way. And I love what P Patricia said, is that with our writing career, we have a lot of choices, definitely more like a buffet, not just one single way to do it. In fact, over your own uh, career, you'll probably find that you've done it in a couple of different ways, uh, successful possibly in each time, but always making changes that bring you more success. So 
that was very encouraging. Uh, Jane Steen, that's S-T-E-E-N, if you wanted to look up her books, encouraged everyone that she's earning, she's on this panel earning fifty to $100,000 pounds, euros per year. And she's doing that with just four novels out. And I wasn't sure if I'd written that down right. So I went and looked her up on Amazon because Amazon is my search tool when it comes to books. And sure enough, it looked like, I didn't write this down, but it looked like four novels, a box set of, I think, three of them, uh, a few short stories. Yeah, and I think that was it. And I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's encouraging too. Now, keep in mind, some of these people who, um, whether it's L.J. Ross with, I don't know how many books there are, but I think there's at least 17 because I thought I saw book number 17 when I was looking up her books uh, or uh, Jane, who has four novels. No matter who we're talking about, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, I, I forgot what I was going to say. But anyway, I'm just going to keep on going. Um, it was very encouraging that no matter what um, you're writing. Oh, that's what I was going to say that these people do seem to mostly be writing in a series. Even if, now, I don't know if any of these books are standalone, but related by virtue of um, location, or if they're like a series where you have to read book one before book two in order for book two to make the, more, the most sense. But they're writing and publishing their books in such a way so that at least the reader has a feel like all of these books go together, I should read them together. So that's another good thing to keep in mind. Different from the fact that I have um, one book in my Traverse City and Love series that's Chicklet, and then a book and a short story in my The Strays of Loon Lake series, which is a sweet romance slash sweet romantic comedy, and then um, two full-length books and two short stories, and... <laughs> Obviously, short story, not meaning 5,000 words, but technically a novelette. But nobody uses that word, really, unless you're a writer. So I, so I don't use it. Um, but anyway, Superhero Series has uh, a long book, a short novel, and then two of these long short stories. So <laughs> there isn't any easy way for people to want to go from one thing to another. So when you have some way of tying your books together so it looks like these books all go together, it would seem like a lot of people are finding that to be the easiest path to success. So this is just me giving you my opinion on what I think of it I was hearing. Um, we had another panel on nonfiction writers and Mark, I don't know how to say his name, but it looks like Ricklau or Ricklau and Joseph Alexander were the um, people talking about nonfiction. And a lot of things that they said were very similar to fiction. So if you write nonfiction and you've been listening to the show and I talk a lot about fiction and interview a lot of fiction authors, keep in mind that a lot of the marketing and business things are similar or the same. So for instance, um, just like with fiction, you need to build and own your, your own email list. You need to be interacting with your readers and followers in a way that's, um, that's you, but that's a way that you can get to those readers because you have their email addresses. You also need to make your covers look like they're a series. So even if, for instance, um, Joseph Alexander uh, writes and publishes how-to guitar books, which I think is so cool because I'm like, ooh, maybe I should buy one <laughs> because my guitar playing is slightly less than mediocre. <laughs> 
It's a lot less, but I don't want to say that. Um, anyway, but they were both talking about that even though the books in some ways could be considered standalone in as much as the person who buys how to play jazz guitar might not be at all interested in how to buy or how to play folk guitar or how to play rock guitar. But all of the books that are guitar books by Joseph Alexander have covers that are similar enough that it seems like, oh, this is the series of guitar books by Joseph Alexander. So you see how it can still look like a series even when they're uh, standalone books. And then Mark was also saying that um, the books can help him to pitch himself as a speaker, which he wants to do more of. So that's another great thing that you can do with nonfiction. Then there was a panel of four publishers with the, the title for the panel was The New Publishers. And there are some things about this that I'm not entirely sure that I understand. So I'm going to kind of gloss over this just a little bit. And if I can, I'll get all four of them on as guests. But um, the among the four publishers were Michael Anderley and Jasper Jaffe of Jaffe Books. And they both have ways of running a publishing company that is different. They're, I think they're different enough from each other to say that they're different and different from the traditional model, definitely. Uh, and then two more. And again, I'll, I'll try to get uh, one or more of them on the show so that they can explain better like what some of your other options are. Because some of you might be thinking, but I don't want to. It sounds like so much work. And it is. And some people don't want to do some of the things that are um, kind of required. Um, and so there are still other options besides, you know, um, Simon & Schuster or Penguin or Random House or something. So just to give you some ideas, and I will try to get them on the show to talk about it more. Then Ricardo Fayette from Reedsey gave a great presentation on tools that writers uh, need to grow your publishing business. So uh, Publisher Rocket, Book Funnel, and Draft to Digital are two or three of the ones that I use that he mentioned. He also mentioned Book Brush and Readsy Marketplace. And then he laughed and said, of course, I have to put in Readsy. But since I'm from Readsy, I think he's actually the founder. Um, he's like, I didn't want to make it the first thing because that would just be weird. <laughs> so Book Brush, I only just heard about maybe a week or two ago myself. I think it has to do with social media images using your book like ads and other kinds of social media stuff um, that is aimed at authors. So I don't know. I'm totally going to check it out. And of course, Read Z Marketplace. Um, great thing. I'm going to get Ricardo on the show. He's going to come on. Yay. And he can explain more about what uh, Read Z Marketplace does. Uh, let's see. Um, Oh, and then he, he did a comparison of email providers, looked at various formatting tools, and talked about reader links. That is a really interesting one. You know how if your book is for sale on Amazon in the U.S., Amazon in the U.K., Amazon Australia, um, Kobo, Apple iBooks, if it's for sale in all these places, if you put every single link in, say, um, an ad or a um, blog post or something like that, like, it's just... It's too much. It's just too much. <laughs> but you can use a reader link so that you can just put one link in. When readers click on that one link, they get taken to a web page that has every single link for all of the places that your book is sold so that readers can click on the store that they want to, to buy at. And if I understand it right, um, 
the Draft to Digital folks, which have a reader link called Books to Read. It's the number two. Also, if you're looking it up, Draft to Digital is Draft the number two digital. So uh, Books to Read, I think that reader link does include, or they were saying it will soon include, audiobook book links also. So yay! Um, definitely something that we want to all um, be using. Then Orna Ross of Alliance of Independent Authors, who I, I, I've been listening to her on and off for years, and I think that I really need to join Alliance of Independent Authors. I've heard that from many people, and I think that's going to happen this year. She moderated a Q&A with Ricardo and Dan Wood from draft to digital and Corey Aldrin from Bookbrush, and they answered a lot of marketing-related questions. Uh, that was great. It's sort of hard to describe Q&As, you know, because... They're not structured. There isn't like a certain thing that happened in a certain order, things that got said in a certain order. It's just Q&As. But they were all really interesting about all the different things that they can already tell you that are helpful in your marketing and um, promotions and ways to make those things easier for you, et cetera. And then finally, end of the day, Mark Dawson. Yay! I mean, he is, after after all, the guy that we've been listening to on the podcast, along with James Blatch, and the one who started the whole, uh, you know, Ads for Authors course and the Self-Publishing 101 course. Um, so everybody was, was happy that he took the stage. And he shared what he's learned from his uh, 10 years in publishing, selling 3 million books, the eight big mistakes. <laughs> Um, he's got a great self-deprecating sense of humor, so it was really fun as well as informative. There was lots of things this week. Um, I was going to say this weekend, but it was only one day. There's lots of things on Monday, maybe so far as to say most things that I already knew about. Not very much new. Um, it was really good to hear it all together right away, you know, in one day, because it, it helped me to remember all the things that I needed to improve or things I needed to do that I haven't done yet. Um, so that's another thing to remind you about writers' conferences and that sort of thing. There are times when you really don't know anything and everything is new and you feel like, wow, that was amazing. I got so much out of it because it was so much information that I didn't know that I didn't even know I needed to know maybe. Um, but other times, I really find it helpful to think of these sorts of events as something that they're great reminders for me to pick out the things that I'm like, oh, I haven't been doing that very well. Or, oh, that's a different way of doing it that I haven't tried at all. Or, oh, yeah, those are like the four things or the 15 things that I know I need to do. They're on my mental to-do list, but now it's like to the front of my mind again. And I'm thinking, okay, what order am I going to do these things that I am being reminded need to be done that I'm being reminded I haven't actually done yet. So it's a, it can be a difficult thing sometimes trying to decide, am I going to spend the time and the money to go to something? Or what if I don't feel like I've learned anything? But I think it's good to remember that sometimes the being reminded of what you need to be doing and being around other people who <laughs> might be some of the only people who really understand what your life is and what your, um, what all of the decisions are that you have to make that sometimes gets a little stressful trying to figure out how to make them because you sit by yourself with no one to talk to and try to make these decisions. I think that they still can make a conference be extremely useful, even if while you're there, you're thinking a little bit, as I was, 
I know a lot of this information because I listened to your show. There isn't very much new. I felt a little bit like it was preaching to the choir, but I also <laughs> like, let's just turn that over to, to the, to the, um, what am I trying to say? I have so many thoughts in my head. Um, looking at that example, preaching to the choir, that's the wrong word. Um, <laughs> let me just say, when I go to church and I sing in the choir, I still want to be preached to. I don't want to sing in the choir and then leave before the sermon. <laughs> like I'm there for the music and the sermon. <laughs> so I'm just saying that preaching to the choir is not really a bad thing. Um, and so this was definitely one of those experiences where it just felt like this is fabulous and I love it. And oh yeah, thanks for reminding me of all the things I still haven't done. Um, so I really want to encourage you, even if you think that I'm just not in a position anymore where I need to be taught anything. I know the things I need to be doing and I'm working on it. Well, maybe you're just not a conferency type of person or you don't feel like it right now or whatever. But if you're thinking, I know I don't need to be taught this again because I already know it. Oh, I just want to have you rethink that just a little bit and just ask yourself, but hanging around all these people, having conversations afterwards, l getting that little nugget of something that you hadn't thought about quite that way. Like I just, I'm still thinking about uh, Patricia's saying that um, the writer's career is a buffet, not a fixed course. Cause it's like, yeah, that's right. When somebody else says, this is the way you need to do it. Then I need to remember that I have the freedom to go is it like, let me just think about it a little bit and be like, mm, okay, that part definitely will work for me. That part won't. Like I mentioned to you a few weeks ago that I finally have decided uh, again, again, to cut myself free from the confines of other people saying I need to write every day because it doesn't really work for me. I feel like I'm in and out of the book, in and out, in and out all the time. And I don't like it. I like to sit down for the whole day, but I can't sit down for the whole day. So I have a couple of days set aside that they're just for writing and nothing else is supposed to be on that day. And then I'm just such a happy kitty because I'm sitting down writing all day and getting about the same amount done that other people would get done if they wrote for a couple hours every day. So there's so many little things that people might say that will end up making you think just enough differently that it gets you, you know, remember I told you about that book about if you could just get 1% better every day, you'd be something like 300 and some crazy number, 32 times better than you were at the end of the year. There's all these reasons why I think that this is really useful. So take it with a grain of salt, but I do hope you at least think about it. These kinds of conferences can be really um, good for your soul, <laughs> good for your writing soul, as well as good for practicalities. So if you're interested in, in uh, learning more about Mark's stuff in particular, because that is, after all, why we were here, because it's Mark Dawson's self-publishing show and self-publishing formula, go to, um, let's see, that website. So the podcast changed to self-publishing show, but the website is still called selfpublishingformula.com. You can learn more about the podcast, all of the lots of things that um, Mark is doing and offering to writers there. And also as of this date, there's about another week or 10 days of the self-publishing 101 class still open to new customers. Yay. So if you are a writer who's like, okay, I, I think I probably need to learn step-by-step step with video instruction exactly what to do and how to do it. This course is awesome. 
I signed up for it because I had been hearing Mark when he first put it out. I had heard him talk about a couple of things where I'm like, okay, 90% of the course I know how to do, but I don't know how to do this one thing that he's talking about. And I don't really know what it is that it's even about. Can't remember exactly what it was. And I thought, you know what, even for that 10% that I couldn't figure out what he was talking about, it was worth it to me to buy the whole course. And I actually went through it all just because um, I didn't know where I was going to find that he had a little tip that I was like, Ooh, okay. I didn't do it that way myself. This sounds better. So lots of reasons also to take courses. Um, but his self-publishing 101 course only opens one or two times a year and it's open right now. So if you are listening to this anytime in, um, mid to kind of late-ish March, I'm, you know what, I should have brought it up, but today is the 10th while I'm recording this. It's the 12th when you're getting this. So I think you have about um, 13 days <laughs> until the course closes. Uh, so I think it's around the 25th that it closes. And um, uh, there's probably information and videos and stuff giving you an idea of what the course is about. So you can get more information there. Okay. That's everything. See what I mean? It was an amazing day and I met so many new friends. Um, of course, you know, you, you know me well enough by now. If I meet somebody, they probably are my new friend. But seriously, there was so many fabulous people and I'm going to have a bunch of new writers on the show. <clears throat> so I've had a lot of traditional authors on. And they've been talking mostly about the writing process and to some degree um, what it's like to be working with a traditional publisher. One person actually talked about getting the call from their agent that they were selling to uh, their very first book to um, a tra traditional publisher. So we've talked um, to some degree about the traditional publishing process. I've talked a little bit about the self-publishing process, but probably not a ton. I don't think that I've actually overspoken on it. Um, and I um, can't remember. There have been a few people that have been on the show that are self-publishing, and I'm not sure how much they were specifically talking about that. Like Deborah Holland was on talking about Kindle World. Um, oh, name escapes me right off the top of my head. Uh, was on talking about creating her own audiobook, actually, you know, being the narrator of her audiobook, and um, and other people who are self-publishing, but maybe we're just talking about one little aspect or another. So I'm super excited that I met a lot of people who are more successful than me, and they have more to teach you than I do, who are going to come on and tell you more things about what they're doing uh, within their genres also. I met several dystopian fantasy authors. I'm like, I don't think I've had anybody on talking about dystopian books. So, um, so many, so many people. <laughs> so this is going to be a really good year for the podcast. I'm excited. I hope that you've gotten some interesting tips. Now, obviously there wasn't very much in the how-to part of the show, but hopefully uh, what you'll do is you'll Google some of the people and companies that I talked about and find out more about what they do and whether or not they're doing things that you would you know, find helpful in your career right now. So, uh, I guess after that, it's just to say, 
Hopefully you have some time for writing this week. You've cut out some time and said, this is my writing time and nothing's going to stand in my way. And you get some good stuff done. Um, I am hoping to spend a good amount of tomorrow writing. Um, maybe, maybe writing and brainstorming because if there's people around, yeah, I'm going to want to, I'm going to be wanting to hang around writers for as long as I can this week. Um, but also brainstorming, super good thing, but you actually need to put the words on the page, right? So I'm challenging you and me. Let's get some words on the page this week, even if we're still at the beginning stages of a new book, which is where I'm at. And, um, and we'll talk about uh, how much wonderful work we got done when we see each other again. All right. Have an excellent week. Happy writing. And we'll talk to you again soon.